Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletics, dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Thursday morning, really a Thursday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Allison, we, I, I hate to be radio uh, talk show host guy who's all, we got a lot of stuff to get to today, but there's a lot of stuff going on. I think it's going to be like this all summer, Allison. Oh, yeah, 100%. Where, where each week we've got enough to, to fill three hours. We're going to be concise with it and, and topical as always. Uh, we have news on the Seth Jones front. The NHL draft lottery was last night. The Blue Jackets coaching search has moved into the second round of interviews. Um, let's start with the newsiest of the news though, because it does relate to the Seth Jones, uh, situation. Everything does, uh, last night, Allison, the blue jackets learned through the NHL draft lottery. They didn't move up again. They didn't move up, uh, <laughs> but they didn't move down either. They remained at the, uh, in the number five spot. They were the fourth worst team in the league. Seattle tucks in there in the number three spot in the lottery. They're the only team that moved up to number two. So the Blue Jackets will pick fifth in the draft next month. Allison, they didn't move up. They didn't move down. How torn up are you by this or are you resigned to it at this point? I mean, it is what it is. I don't know. I think the only yeah. the the only year that ever seemed to stick in my crawl was the uh, I, all the numbers meshed together now because, again, time is irrelevant as a concept. But um, the Ryan Murray year um, was the only year that that was rough. But, I mean – it is what it is. They finished exactly where they earned to finish. And as many say in many different ways, the only thing you can control is yourself. And so they got exactly what they earned. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's wild about that 2012. There's so many wild things about that 2012 draft is it sucks that they didn't win it. But it was still the player they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. They still they, they would not have taken Yakupov one. That's right. In fact, they would not have taken Yakupov two. And I did some poking around on this. You know, who they would have taken two if, if Murray went first. I do not. Morgan Riley. Interesting. Isn't it though? Um, so yeah, who knows about this draft too? And it kind of, two things are kind of get, getting under my skin already about this. People saying, we don't know very much about this draft because there hasn't been a lot of scouting, but it's a terrible year. Well, how can you not know much about it and it be a terrible year? I just think we don't know a lot about this year. That's my thought. The other thing is I've now heard that there are eight players who won't be there at number five for the Blue Jackets. Mm. In other words, that's how mixed up the top, the four spots are after number one pick, presumed number one pick, Owen Power. Um, William Eklund, you know, he's not, he's not going to be there for the Blue Jackets at five. Luke Hughes, not going to be there. Simon Edmondson, they, well, they got no shot to get him at five. Mason McTavish, no, he won't be there at five. Someone's going to be there at five. Maybe Matt Beniers isn't there, the Michigan freshman, uh, but they're Allison. They're going to get a, they're going to get a good player. 
Oh, sure. I mean, and you know, this, this is part of why all of this is just a little frustrating to me as we've talked about offline is that it, these are the same people who say, oh, in the next two years, the draft is stacked. How do you know? How do you know? Right. How do you know? And if you right. know that the next two years are stacked, then you already know about this draft because you wouldn't have known about this draft two years ago. Now, I will say that I have heard that this coming year is not one of the stronger years, and I have heard that for a while to yeah. to do this whole two, three-year outlook thing. So I, I kind of buy that, and I kind of buy that if that is in fact the case, that there are no concrete consensus top three or top five, that's fine. I, I This stuff, it's just, it all seems silly, this public debate, because we don't, we don't know. Nobody we knows. No idea. Right. We have no idea. Yeah, we should stop. We can have opinions, but but this idea of being so strong and forthright in your opinion of something that can't possibly be known always strikes me as funny. The other thing is, for many people, myself included, after a long NHL season, you start getting into the draft. There's some names that pop up along the way. You go, oh, that kid's, boy, that kid's a good player. I've seen highlights. I've heard his name, whatever. You don't know the ins and outs of these players' names period, and you don't really care about them until the weeks leading up to the draft. That's right. And yet well, we some, don't. Yeah. Correct. And yet somehow people with no more knowledge and perhaps less knowledge than us feel perfectly fine telling a whole team of NHL scouts and executives that what they did with that number four pick was stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I you're do. like, come on. I remember the stories about how, God, the Jackets are going to look terrible when Puglia Yarvi is scoring 40 goals as a rookie next year. And, th and they took this player, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then three years later, you're like, woo, good call there. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. That's what makes the draft great, though, in a way. But I, I think if I'm the Blue Jackets, listen, the way things went this season, you're going to have your pick of a really good player. There are centers available. Mason McTavish is probably going to be there if Beneers isn't. There are lots of defensemen. Owen Power's probably going to go number one. But if he doesn't, Luke Hughes is there. Simon Edmondson, these are really bright prospects. Yarmo Kekalainen insists that the Blue Jackets will not draft based on position. I think it's probably less pertinent this year because they need every position, uh, <laughs> save save goaltender. But do you believe him when he says that, Allison? Do you do you think the, that this is a wide-open draft for the Blue Jackets, or do they look at it and say, Seth Jones is leaving? Likely. Who knows where Wierenski sees himself? We have not much in the pipeline defensively. We're going D. Or do they say, centerman, where do you find these centermen? They don't move. Is McTavish special? Is Benier special? Do they go center if either of those guys are on the board? Yeah, I mean, I and I, this is my opinion. This is not based on on any actual conversation I've had with anyone in the Blue Jackets front office. But here, here's the nuance of that statement. I don't think that Yarmo Kekalainen and crew are going to draft solely based on position. But Correct. do I think that position factors into their evaluation? I absolutely do. Now, if it was me, I would probably have a weight applied to the position a player plays and have my organizational needs tied to that weight, right? So if I have a defenseman, a center, and a goalie that all rate out 
in however I evaluate talent the exact same, that positional weighting is going to then be applied and determine which player I pick. That's how I would do it. Um, But so I think it matters, but it's a secondary evaluator. And I think that's smart, honestly. I think it should be a factor and, and it should be factored in secondarily to the player's talent and ability to contribute on the ice. And is that position weighting, is that done uh, in a reflection of your depth chart or is that done just in the general sense of hockey? Well, I think that's a, that's a decision for each organization. But for me, if it was, if I, if I deemed it an essential need, it would probably be my, or like for the blue jackets, I would probably weight center heavier, not by like three times, Sure. But yes, it would be, we really need center depth and you can, and as the old adage goes, you can never have too many centers. Yep. So um, yeah, I would do it based on organizational need. Yeah. I guess I've always looked at it like this too. I think you should take a, a goaltender in every draft somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you never know. Yep. If all things are equal among all position, among all skaters, you go D. Okay. If all things are equal among forwards in other words if the forwards are better than the d that are on the board if all are equal among forwards you go center yeah because the center can go to wing but a wing it's quite an adjustment to go to center um but i don't pass if i think kent johnson is as great as everybody thinks he is the young man from from michigan and veneers is off the board uh johnson considered a left wing i'm not forcing mason mctavish above him on the depth chart just because McTavish is a is a centerman. Um, one bold prediction for me in this draft is that Cole Sillinger will be drafted by a team his father once played for, Mike Sillinger. Yes. Now, Mike okay. Sillinger's dad played for 12 teams. Well, exactly. So we got about a 50-50 shot to be right there. Allison, the big news of this week beyond the lottery, because the lottery – was a big buildup essentially really wasn't that much as they stayed put. Um, by the way, did you think Yarma said, well, shit on camera? Is that how you read it? I, listen, I was here for all the reactions. The, Dallas was fantastic. Fantastic. Like, let's let's, you know what this is again, this is back to what we've talked about with other things. Like be real, like shows, show yes. some reaction, show some personality. I'm here for it. Let's go. Yeah. And it went perfectly in order. Yeah. All the way. And then I think at that point, he gets to five and the Blue Jackets are like, oh, my God, this could be it because everything's right. been perfect so far. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And J.D. was smiling. Yarmo said it with a smirk, too. It wasn't like ultimate anger and venom. Sure, was, sure, sure. But uh, he said afterward, it was, yeah, probably something like that. Um, Jim Neal was great, though. The star's GM. Um, the news in Blue Jackets land this week. And even this, I, I think it's certainly news. Elliot Friedman, first a reporter for Sportsnet. But I think if you're a Blue Jackets fan, I, I think you were probably hoping for better news, but I can't imagine this was too shocking to you. Seth Jones uh, has informed the Blue Jackets that he does not wish to resign with them, resign with them. What re-sign. did I say? Resign. You said it properly. You said it properly. <laughs> well, it's the same, actually, in this case. It is. It is. Yes. Um, and that he will test free agency in 2022. Not a shocker. Uh, a kick in the butt, for perhaps for a team that that uh, has endured quite a few of them. 
devastating news in, in the sense that it only furthers the narrative that the Blue Jackets can't keep players. Mm-hmm. Um, but Allison, what do you what do you make of this news? If if anything was any part of it a surprise for you? Um, you know, I I did think that there was a possibility that um, he would con- he would stay. Um, but it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, again, listen, I- I'm just going to say this flat out, <laughs> RIP my mentions. I have no time for people saying that any player who t- makes this decision is crapping out on his team or you know, Seth Jones has always been a stand up player for Columbus. This is his earned right to make this decision. And I think that if you look at the landscape, one can certainly understand why he would make this decision. And, that's fine. He's allowed to make this decision. So I wasn't super surprised, but I think it is certainly, whether or not people are happy about it, it certainly is helpful in that now there's there's a clear path. This, this answer needed to be known. And now this informs everything else that you have to do on that massive to-do list that we keep talking about. Yeah. And Allison, I think like, my understanding, and I've asked the Blue Jackets this multiple times, you have to sometimes, the numbers have not been exchanged. Dollar so, numbers. Correct. Uh, term, dollars, et cetera. So this isn't a negotiation gone awry. Right. But I, I think the player is doing them. I think Seth Jones, I'll say his name. Seth Jones has done this team a huge favor, not in his wanting to leave, but in his clarity that he's hundred percent providing. Like this is really all you can ask of a guy. Just not hemming and hawing, not yep. well, we'll see. Yep. Uh what's your best offer? Maybe let's talk about it after the season. Let's talk no about John it mid season. Yep. None of this. Yes, exactly. None of that. Hundred percent. He is giving them a huge gift. I mean, I think they would prefer for him to say, I'd like to spend the rest of my career here. But short of that, if you're going to leave, this is the, I hate to say it, but it's the gentleman's way to leave. 100%. I mean, this is how it should be done. Yes. I mean, and you look at, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky made it clear, but there was some venom attached to that process. Big time. Artemi Panarin, hems and haws, even though we all felt like we knew anyway. Um, you know, even Matt Duchesne, who wasn't really clear, but was complimentary on his way out the door. This again, yeah. he's, he's doing the organization a favor. Like I said, the path is clear. You know what you need to do. There's not going to be stringing along of any part of this process. And as you said, I think it's such a huge point. This isn't a, no, you lowballed me or this is terrible. It's, this is my choice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so now the blue check, and this is a really interesting thing to me because three weeks ago, Yarmo Kekalainen said at length that he had no problem carrying Seth Jones into next year and a seeing if he'll change his mind somehow and B trading him at the trade deadline. And my jaw hit the floor. I think a lot of fans began to began to groan like, Oh God, we, we, we're not going to go through this again, are we? Right. And now, and then John Davidson was hired, and it's been made pretty clear that that just that is not going to be the approach. Right. And the best way to explain why it could be the approach in 2019 with Panarin, and why it can't be that way in 2021 with Jones, is that where the team is. Um, they thought they had a chance in 2019 to do some damage. 
I don't think anyone has any misgivings about what this roster can can achieve. I think I think the the next couple seasons here are going to be rough, and I think they are starting to recognize that, or at least John Davidson, upon his return to Columbus, is is recognizing that. Um, it's going to benefit them greatly now if they can find a cluster of teams that Seth Jones would consider signing with long term allowing him to negotiate a contract extension with them and trading them to that team. I think that greatly in, increases the amount of return they get. If they only trade him with one year remaining, I think it limits what they'll get in return and it, it, it'll be a nice return, but it'll also likely include some uh, conditional picks in there. Uh, Allison, let me ask you this. Do you think, and I, I guess this gets to the larger question, which I had next on the list, which is, is this team rebuilding now? Is this now a rebuild? But stopping short of that, do you think Seth Jones should be traded for immediate help, for immediate and future help, if you think of the Rick Nash trade, which had three pieces and a first-round draft pick? Uh -huh. Or should, it be, should he be traded for future help entirely? Yes, is my answer. To all because, three. <laughs> because, for, okay, yes, they should trade him before the season a million percent, no question. It's just that this organization is in a different place. And to your second question, if this organization is going to try to trade for immediate help, Seth Jones has to be part of the value that goes the other way, sure. a la Rick Nash. So listen, it, never say never. This is this is a front office that has made some crazy big swings. And if you do have a valuable piece like Seth Jones that you can trade, there are some crazy trades that could happen. I mean, do you do you get Mitch Marner for Seth Jones? I don't know. Possibly. Who's to say? It could happen. Um, mm -hmm. th so th there is a path. Now, here's the pros of taking that path. If you go for immediate help and a little bit of futures, Perhaps you start to address the issues that may or may not have to do with free agents wanting to sign here. If the organization starts winning, if there's some bigger talent here under con contractual control, maybe this does accelerate, not necessarily in like a year, but maybe this accelerates. Now, the more practical version of what you can control, back to my point, because you need two parties to tango for these big swing trades. That's right. The, the part that you can control is you can say, look, Let's just accumulate as much future value as we can and start to cash that in. And our, our window that we see is now a few years down the road. And, we're, and, you know, if that's the case, though, and we can point to John Davidson's time in New York, the organization literally sent a letter to fans saying that. And, you know, I think that if this becomes a rebuild, I think that's also a very smart strategic decision. But let's let's own that as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do is straddle the fence. A hundred percent. And the worst thing you can do is not realizing that it's time to rebuild while you still have some pieces. In other words, if you trade Seth Jones for two or three, <clears throat> excuse me, two or three guys that can help you next year, I think that's the absolute wrong way to go. Because you've traded him for three lesser pieces. Who, who knows how long they'll be here? And you've not advanced. 
yourself. You're just keeping alive this mediocrity, this this blahness. I think you have to, while you have, so some of these teams wait till they're completely bottomed out before they decide to start rebuilding. And I, I, I think that's the, the, you almost have to do it before it's 100% obvious to people. Oh yeah. Because that, that gets you two or three years ahead of, ahead of the course. Look how long it's taking Detroit and Ottawa, Buffalo. I mean, you've got to, you've got to get the right pieces too. It's just such a science, but the one thing that, that I think that always interests me here. And I think it feels like to me, like the hockey gods and the, the constellation of hockey stars are aligning in a way while they're telling the Blue Jackets to do this again. It's the one thing they've never really done yes. is, is strip it down and rebuild. They've never done that. As crazy as that sounds, they've had seasons where it looks like a team doing that. Where they thought they might do that. And where then. they thought they might do that. I mean, when John, and, and so a couple of examples, and, and th- this is the craziest, Star, but you go back to the first year of the Blue Jackets, and they're offered Ryan Ray Whitney for Kevin Adams. Now, mm-hmm. that's a trade on paper. Like a video game would never allow you to make that trade because it's way too unbalanced. That's a trade on paper. You go, well, hell yeah, you do that. But what that did is it made the Blue Jackets a little bit better before the before the team was growing into that, right? It advanced them to having the seventh and the eighth pick and the sixth pick and the ninth pick rather than the first pick, the second pick, the first pick. It it, it was the wrong trade at the time. Yes. I go back to 2012 when John Davidson was hired and his thought from the outside coming in was it's a pretty awful team and we're in the Nathan McKinnon race here. Right. And the way they started the season only confirmed that. So they were ready to go that way. But then they take off at the end of that season. They make the playoffs the next season, 13-14. They, they didn't rebuild under John Davidson. A lot of the building was, you know what, this house is pretty good and we can salvage it. And they took some of the pieces that Scott Housen left, Bobrovsky, uh, Felino, Dubinsky, Anisimov, Johansson down the middle, maybe the strongest they've ever been down the middle. And they built upon that. Of course, they should. That's 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 how it works. They should have done that, but they've never, they've never brought this thing all the way down and built it up with high end. We're drafting special talent, like elite level talent. McKinnon, Matthews, those guys. Now, the worrying thing to all of this, and Allison, it's one of your favorite topics. Before they it? do any of this stuff, before they they strip it down and rebuild it. They've got to clean it out, figure out what it is. If the if it's just a reputation based on a few players' desires, or if there's really an issue with why people don't want to stay with the Blue Jackets. Yep, hundred percent. I mean, I think that that's it's it's easy to tear down and get the special talent. And all of these teams that you just mentioned, we can. I mean, we throw Detroit in there too. Yep. All these teams that tear down. You can get the special talent and even look at what's happening to Detroit. I mean, excuse me, to Toronto right now. They're getting crucified yeah. for going out in the first round again. And they've got some of the best players in the league. And you have to know how to rebuild, even organizations that seem to, quote unquote, have it all. So the how you rebuild, 
has to mean that every part of your organization to your strategy, to your coaching, to the way players are used, to the way players play, to how they execute, that all has to be in line to maximize all of this talent that you're aggregating. Otherwise, it, it's you just have a really stacked rot. You have Jack Eichel in Buffalo. You have yes. Toronto. You have Detroit taking a lot longer than they thought. Like It's not just the tear down. There has to be a plan to build back up. Yeah, you have New Jersey. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, when are they going to get there? I mean, it, it, there's no clear path. You know, the other thing is you can look ahead to the drafts as we were talking about earlier. There's a lottery and there's no guarantee that you're, if, if you could be guaranteed to get Shane Wright, Connor Bedard in 22-23, oh, in there'd be eight teams that were trying to bottom out the next couple of years. Like if it were that easy and that certain, more people would do it. So they've got, they have some tough decisions, um, some big overarching decisions to kick around. When you look at John Davidson with five years on his contract, you look at Yarmo Kekalainen now with four years on his contract, that kind of suggests to me that that it's there if they want it. I'm not sure if ownership has the appetite or if they've expressed that they have the appetite for something like that. Mm-hmm. But again, to me, that's part of the constellation of stars that are aligning that are saying, this is the time to do this. And maybe this is the only way in a city like Columbus, a team like the Blue Jackets, that you can do this. To You can build a championship caliber team. Because they've tried the other way. And the peak of the mountain the other way was beating Tampa in the first round, mm-hmm. losing to Boston in the second round. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Agree. Completely. It's all very interesting. And it's starting to piss me off. And Allison, this is one of oh, your boy. favorite topics too. When people say, why don't people want to stay with the Blue Jackets? And and the response is, hey, listen, Columbus is a good city. You've got to be here to wreck. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's like saying, Portside, you're an, you're an absolute fool and an idiot. And I say, don't talk about my wife that way. <laughs> That's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about the city. Right. They're talking about the team. Right. They're saying people don't want to stay with the Blue Jackets. And you're saying, it's a fine city. And people are, and no player has ever left, Seth Jones included. Uh, he hasn't left yet, but no player has ever left and said, I just can't stay in the city. That's right. Ever. Anyways. That's right. No. And, you know, and it's interesting. There was a comment on on one of your stories this past weekend that I thought was was right on target with this is let's stop saying we want people who want to be here. Yes. We want people who want to be part of the organization. That's it. That's the difference. Uh, yes. I'm over this Columbus thing. I'm over it. I'm that's, over it. That's the easy out, isn't it? Well, and and I think, you know, check yourself if you're using it. Why are you using it? Yeah. Do you hate Columbus? Because if you don't, let's let's stop. Let's folk, let's talk about what is actually the issue and, and fix that. Yeah. Again, no one has ever said, get me out of this town. That's right. It's been, I'm not sure I can win here. I don't I don't like the process here. I don't like my contract. I don't mm-hmm. feel appreciated. It's not the no one's ever said, I don't like Columbus. Usually most people say, shit, I liked it better than I thought I would. That's right. Huh? Yeah. Go figure. Allison, anything else? I think that's it. Lots to cover. We'll take it line item by line item as we yeah. said. I mean, I'm writing it down as it happens so that we get to it in the blog because there's so much these days to get through. We could go on forever with this and probably will. Allison, thanks for, uh, for being here. Always my pleasure. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in a week. Take care.